think it's a control thing. I think it's a an insecurity thing that you you always feel like you could be doing more. And even things like Strava and stuff like that, they're, they're useful tools certainly. But uh, if you read too much into that and too much into what other people are doing, you can certainly like deviate your own training to follow the lines of someone else's. So uh, ultimately, I think. I've sort of figured out, uh, you never truly figured out what works for you, but I think I'm slowly figuring out what works for me, what keeps me happy. And I think if you are happy at the end of the day and you do things that you believe in, um, good things will come from that. But if you're just forcing training just because you're insecure or you're nervous or you're fearful that you're not doing enough, you go down a rocky path. So it's just, it's, that's never an answer. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we are the hosts of this show, as well as the stewards for the Yogi Triathlete community at large, including our team of 50-plus athletes training their bodies and minds for optimal performance. One of the greatest rewards is seeing the power of this community through connections that continue to strengthen and grow. This podcast is the perfect example of this growth as we started over seven years ago at our kitchen table in Newport, Rhode Island. Since then, this show has spawned an international audience and an unlimited range of guests looking, finding, and living their purpose. Thank you to all who continue to reach out to us to let us know that you've taken nuggets of knowledge from this show and put them into action in your life. And you guys, that's how we create a better world. Over the years, we have dived under the surface in our conversations, and I think that's really what makes us unique. With doctors, athletes, coaches, authors, yogis, innovators, and creators, and through the openness of our discussions, we have discovered that we are more similar than different. Although our lives are unique on paper, the essence of what we traverse and what inspires us appears to be exact. Something about that truth levels the playing field, and we intend this show to remind us all that we are never alone, and that when we lean into a strong community like this and stay the course, anything is possible. We're thrilled to be welcoming Corey Belmore to the show today. Although we have known of Corey for some time now, we were introduced to him last month by Heather Sloan of Healy Medical. Corey is one of Healy's athletes receiving the great benefits of their magnesium and menthol-infused K-tape. Heather and her business partner, Lee, were the guests of episode 365, which launched in March of this year, so make sure to have a listen to that episode. Meeting Corey and having him here with us today is yet another example of the power of community and the connection that naturally arises from within. Corey is a Canadian track and field athlete with insane personal bests like a 357 mile, 339 for the 1500 meter, and 147 for the 800 meter. He's a national medalist and well known for being the beer mile world record holder, which he ran in 428. Corey has a background in competitive swimming from high school and has been known to train with some well-known professional triathletes. So we'll see where that is all leading. We've been looking forward to this conversation and we're excited to see where it goes. Corey Belmore, welcome to the show. Wow, you are certainly well-researched, so uh, I appreciate the introduction and uh, <laughs> I, I like what you said there. We're definitely a lot more similar than we think sometimes. So uh, yeah, that was a cool little antidote too. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's true, you know, and I think that um, there's a power of vulnerability that, you know, allows us to not only recognize that, but be to be just authentic and, and open to say, you know, none of us, not BJ, not myself, and I know not you, like that we're above any waves of life or struggles or challenges. It's, but I think that, and I think that the more we can share about how we traverse those, um, the more connected we just come, we come together as, you know, as humans trying to live this crazy life. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, 
we all have different things figured out. So it's, it's always important to learn from one another. And then like, I think even connecting on the similarities or uh, experiences that we both find interesting, it's just, you can learn so much from a person just by saying hello and, and having open conversations. So uh, yeah, I'm pumped to meet you guys and uh, pumped to be on this podcast. So uh, we saw that, um, diving into a little bit of a human relationship, we saw that you recently got engaged in February and you said you're marrying your best friend and we'd, <laughs> we'd love to hear about her and we'd love to hear about, you know, why she is your best friend. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, we had both been in relationships before. We had both been in some bad relationships and we had both like got out of one around the same time. Um, we didn't know each other at all. I got back from Arizona. I was training with Lionel Sanders, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, a little bit later. But uh, I had got back. I worked at a run specialty store during university. And then uh, they're so good to me. Uh, so they let me go away to Arizona for six months. I didn't work. I came back. And it was all during COVID. So came back to, to a job I still had, thankfully. And uh, I'd never met uh, Brittany, my, my fiance. And we worked a shift. And I was like, this girl, like, she's she's very cool. She's uh, we're on the same wavelength, uh, have similar interests, and it, it was funny how I got like talking with her because she lost her phone throughout the shift. She just misplaced it, like, it, it worked at a shoe store, so she must have left it on one of the shoe boxes or whatnot. And uh, I was like, oh, I'll get your number. I'll, I'll call your phone. So uh, her phone was on Ringer, so I, I got her number, and then um, throughout the shift we were talking about music. We had the same taste in music. And I was like, okay, like if I hear a good song by an artist that I like, I'll, I'll send it your way. And she's like, Oh, that'd be awesome. So, uh, that night I heard a song going home from work and I sent it to her. And, uh, yeah, from there we got chatting. We dated, we're dating two weeks later and, uh, yeah, we've done lots of traveling since very close to the family and, uh, certainly happy that I, I found my person. How long ago was that? Uh, so that would have been, we first met in July of 2021. Um, and then we got engaged after, like, it was pretty much a year and a half on the date that we started dating to when we got engaged. Um, but we, we, I think you just know when you find your person. And um, yeah, after like even a couple of weeks of dating, we, we knew we, we found the right person in, in each other. So uh, yeah, super pumped, super grateful. And, uh, we have a beautiful dog we rescued and uh, we're house searching right now, which is definitely, uh, you got to be patient, but uh, yeah, we're excited for the future. And you're up in uh, Canada for our audience here. You're up in Canada. Whereabouts in Canada? Uh, so Windsor, Ontario. So uh, right across the border from Detroit. Okay. Oh, from Detroit. Okay. Do you pop over? Yeah. So actually uh, in about, let's see, three and a bit hours, I actually have a flight uh, it's it's cheaper and better to fly if you're going to fly domestically within the U.S. to fly out of uh, Detroit Airport. So it's a 30 minute drive from where I am right here, and just pop over, hop in the plane, and then I'm good to go. Do you have a race coming up, or uh... yeah? So I have uh, a 1500 meter race uh, on Saturday. It's uh, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, so it's the Music City uh, distance. Well, it used to be the Music City Distance Carnival. I think it's called the Distance Classic now. But uh, yeah, it should be a great event. It's on ESPN. So um, certainly some good athletes are going to be showing up. 
Very cool. So what, you know, a lot, most of our audience are, we're endurance athletes, right? So Ironman, ultra marathons, half Ironman, marathons, things like that. And, you know, leading into a race, there's a taper phase, but what is a taper phase or is there a taper phase for a 1500 meter? Like, what is that? What is the week of a race like that look like for you? Uh, depends on the time of year. So right now it's May 31st, uh, nationals aren't till the end of July. So, uh, you will train through at least, I say, going to a race, if there's a race on a Saturday, it's pretty much business as usual till about the Thursday. And then I guess the Thursday would be lighter, sort of reduced mileage run. Friday would be more or less a shakeout. And then Saturday is race day. Uh, but then you resume training uh, the following day. So it's a very, very light taper during the season, sort of midway through season. But then as we get to nationals, the last two weeks or so are, are pretty light. Like the work's already done, the haze in the barn, we say. So uh, yeah, that looks a little different. Yeah, such an interesting concept. I'm glad you brought that up about endurance athletes. Like we will never do the distance. Like it's very rare we'll do the distance, but you probably do, I'm assuming you would probably do some intervals at, at 1500 meters, like three or four on a, on a particular workout. So you're doing the distance like anyway. Mm-hmm. So like, Actually, today, like my tune-up workout, this is my last workout going into the race. I did, uh, it's going to sound crazy short to anyone that's listening and probably you guys. Uh, so I ran to the track. It was about a uh, three-mile run. Um, did some warm-ups, some dynamics, stretching, some drills and stuff like that. Uh, some hard strides. And then I, the workout was 300, um, full set rest. So I did five to six minute rest. And then I did eight times 200 meters um with two minutes rest in between so it's it's all fast like the 300 was in 38 seconds the 200s are in 25 to 26 seconds and then uh, another full set rest of five minutes and then another 300 so uh in about 38 seconds as well so uh and then a three mile cooldown so it's just it's it's a mixture of uh i mean the total distance i think was 15 kilometers altogether but um yeah it certainly was a lot shorter harder efforts yeah. And that's re- that's like super high quality, like really quality stuff, but typically, and I, I don't want to get too, you know, number oriented, but a typical volume for someone who, whose specialty is 1500, what's a typical week volume for, for running? Uh, it depends on the athlete, but like, cause some people like to hit it from like a 1500 5k sort of, uh, like they really like to tap into that strength. Some people really like to hit the 1500 from more like 800 work to 1500 work so it's a combination of that um i sort of like a mixture of everything like i did 800s growing up uh i was very much like very speed oriented and then i sort of transitioned i always did cross country throughout university and did uh fairly decent so i like to tap into everything in terms of that the typical week would be right now about 110 to 120 kilometers a week um but i I, my training is a lot different like i'm doing I am doing four swims a week and I'm also doing, uh, like two bikes a week. So I, I do tap in a cross training quite often. Um, so the typical track athlete, I think would probably do 140, 150 kilometers a week for the 1500. Yeah. It's still good mileage though, like running mileage. Um, and we love that cross training. Um, we're such believers in, um, you know, swimming, oh man, so great. Uh, but also biking and, and maintaining fitness without, without the impact of, of running, has that been something you've always done the cross training or did, did you grow into that? 
in high school, like, so in high school, grade nine, I, uh, I had a great coach. Uh, he was very much into the philosophy. Like, do you want to be good now as a high school athlete or do you want to be good later down the road and not be burnt out and still like improve throughout your uh, university career? And I always saw like the long, long term, um, like development path. So we took the complete winter off running. I didn't do any running. I just swam for from end of October till March. Um, and we, we swam like a competitive team. Like it was a high school team, but we were training anywhere from 14 to 16 hours in the pool a week. Um, so from be, like using that as a tool to learn how to cross train and if I was injured, I could always go back to swimming. Just having something else there other than running, especially when you are hurt, you can get so fit from cross training. And then if you implement it, like there's been so many times where it's like, okay, all I'm going to do is run, run the season. I can get it, become a better runner by just running. And that's the wrong way to look at it. It's just, you have a habit to overtrain. You're going to get greedy. Uh, it's a safer option just to take some load off your body and like, Take a day to swim, take a day to bike. You're not going to lose fitness. It's going to be great for you. And then when you come back to training, your mind's going to be like so much rejuvenated uh, and so much more excited to, to get back to it. Have you, uh, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Have you, in your experience, gotten greedy or have you walked the fine line of like, okay, I'm so all into this running. I'm so close, so close. I'm going to skip some swims, maybe some bikes. Have you, have you been there? Uh, absolutely. Yes. I think like, <laughs> I think when you're on the, the border of being your most fit, um, you're, you're on that fine line of being super fit, but also toying with injury, toying with possible sickness. Like you can only hold that for so long. So I think if you add cross training in, you can sort of hover there a little bit longer. Um, and you're in a safe spot. Whereas like if all you're doing is running, you just want more and more and more. And you think that's the only avenue to get better and, and doing more is the only answer to. To getting to that goal so um yeah just take a step back uh, I, I think the biggest thing is like 80 percent of training is easy 20 percent is hard so if you can supplement some of those hard or easy days with a little bit of cross training uh it'll go a long long way how how do you I know you, you manage it probably through experience for you. Like you've, you've bumped up against that, but how do you witness that? Like through your awareness and maybe that's a partner or somebody else who's maybe guiding you, but do you, can you see that conversation and, and how do you practice building that, that mindset to be aware? Um, I think for me, it happened just through a lot of, uh, a lot of injuries. Like I, was back and forth. I had stress fracture after stress fracture. I toyed along, toyed a lot with my like diet growing up, um, and had some, some like fallbacks from that. Like, uh, I think just the older I get, the more smart I am about how I'm training, how I'm eating, how I'm fueling, how I'm recovering. Like there's so much more to it than just all you're doing is training. All you're doing is one fixated thing. Um, that's why I even like, I like to stay really busy. Like I like to work full time. I like to work part time on weekends. I like training to feel like a true hobby to me. Um, so if I can fit in these swim sessions, these bike sessions, these runs, it keeps me so interested. It keeps me so engaged. I'm like, I know the swim community. I know the bike community. Like I know the triathlon community because of those communities. And like I show up to the track and I'm buddies with the university guys. So it just, 
it keeps me interested. It keeps me involved. And, uh, yeah, I love training at the end of the day. So it's like, if I can do a double dip in a, in a few of everything and, um, uh, meet people through that. And it just keeps me really interested. And, in, uh, I love it. It's a really, it's a much more expanded mindset. Um, it's, it's, there's more in the spectrum for you. There's, you know, uh, your time with your fiance, your work life, this playing with triathletes, the swimming, the biking, the running. And I mean, I've experienced this myself, but I want to get your take on it. When we get that narrow focus of like run, 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 whatever that single sport is. But then also you had mentioned like kind of working with the diet, which I was picking up like it, maybe it wasn't that helpful. Do you think there's a degree of like fear that's fueling that? Like it's a control thing? Uh, absolutely. I think it's a control thing. I think it's a, an insecurity thing that you, you always feel like you could be doing more and even things like Strava and stuff like that. They're, they're useful tools, certainly. But uh, if you read too much into that and too much into what other people are doing, you can certainly like deviate your own training to follow the lines of someone else's. So uh, ultimately, I think I've sort of figured out, uh, you never truly figured out what works for you, but I think I'm slowly figuring out what works for me, what keeps me happy. And I think if you are happy at the end of the day and you do things that you believe in, um, good things will come from that. But if you're just forcing training just because you're insecure or you're nervous or you're fearful that you're not doing enough, that's when things get you go down a rocky path. So it's just, it's, that's never an answer. I know. And it's, you know, it sounds like you learned to, um, to kind of expand this viewpoint from, you know, misery, from injury, from missing out on the thing that you love to do, which is to train. You love to move the body. You've hit what BJ and I would call like the sucks enough, like this, like, okay, like I'm done. I'm done with the stress fractures. I'm done with like this, you know, feeling insecure or nervous about this. Um, but so many people hit what you think is their sucks enough, but they, they just keep driving themselves like deeper into the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see that happening with, with other athletes that you, you know, either know on social or, or personally? Yeah, like absolutely. And I, I don't know like why certain athletes will keep going down the same route if it's not working. Um, but I also don't think it's necessarily good to go down like the one avenue, it doesn't work and then go down a completely opposite one. Like you don't want to change too much, especially at one time. It's, it's good to tweak and turn the dials a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's good to completely change one thing or do too much of one thing. It's just, you do kind of want to find that balance of, of, of everything and life and training. Um, like certainly strength training has been a big part of my, my life the last couple of years, uh, to prevent injuries. But if you can find that, strength training aspect from doing cross training, um, which, which you certainly can, I think that's valuable to add in. So it's just anything you can do to prevent injury and like stay the course, stay training, keep getting in races, um, keep running and hanging out alongside your friends that are also training. That's, that's the biggest goal. Yeah. Community. So community is so powerful. It's so important. Do you have, um, because this sounds like, um, uh, we got some rumble strips keeping you, keeping an athlete like sort of, you know, on, on the course, stay in the course. Do you do, and I know you mentioned, I heard a podcast where you mentioned um, a coach that was very um, beneficial to your, your career early on. 
Do you have a coach now or who is your support? Who is your community that keeps uh, Corey Belmore out there healthy and happy and, and running fast? Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, I have a coach that's very flexible with me. He like, I'm not the typical cross. He's the university coach at the university of Windsor and uh, he does cross country and track for distance runners. And he, most of his athletes, all they do is run. So that's, that's their one thing. They're not interested in doing anything else, which is, it's fine. I try and preach different things, but um, yeah, it's all good. Uh, but he, he knows I'm a different athlete. He knows I like to throw in uh, cross training. So he's willing to work with me and make sure I don't do too much in one area and, and, and not enough in an er- another area. Um, so he sort of keeps me within the bumpers of the bowling alley. And uh, certainly my fiance, like she knows what, what helps me, like keeps me ticking. And she also knows what overtraining looks like. She's seen me overtrain. So uh, if I'm ever overtrained and she's slowly pulling me back and she'll let me know what, what she thinks. So it's good to have, have people like that in your life. And uh, yeah, list, listen to people that are telling you certain things like that. Like it, they're not, they're not telling you because they're telling you, telling you because you care. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, be mindful. And it sounds like you had that coach early on that was giving you that longevity vision. You know, do you want to, do you want to feel good in 40 years? Like we always, BJ always says like, I want to be able to like pick the groceries up when I'm 75 and like <laughs> be okay and not throw my back out, you know? And that's, that's why I train today so I can feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, from your personal experience, what have you felt are like the qualities of, of a good coach for you. Um, yeah. Uh, good coach for me is, is the, the coaching part's easy. And I have learned this. I coach at St. Clair college here in Windsor as a assistant coach and the coaching part's easy. The numbers, the workouts, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. There's a lot of ways to, to skin a cat. And, um, that part I, I understand very well. Um, I think building relationships with athletes, hearing them out, listening to them, being there for them. Uh, that's the part that, that could be tricky at times. So you have to know again, what, what makes the athlete tick? What do, what do they like throughout a race? Do they like yelling at them? Do they like a calmer approach? Um, so you have to really get to know your athletes from an athletic standpoint, obviously, but as a person, I think, um, cause they're going to use a lot of these things throughout their life that you teach them, uh, from being on a team, from being surrounded by this, this other family. Um, so I think ultimately, if your coach is your friend to a certain degree, um, that that's certainly helpful. Obviously, there's boundaries between that, but um, your coach should be someone that like motivates you, someone you look up to, someone you can ask for advice um, and ask about training. Obviously, but I think first and foremost, as a human, that's the the, the biggest thing. Mm. Uh, where, where does trust trust come in um, in the relationship with a coach and athlete, um, and also? expanding that trust to trust yourself. Yeah. Trust goes both ways. I have to trust that the athlete's going to listen to like things I want them to do or things I believe in terms of training or, uh, from experience. And then also have to trust that the athlete's being honest with me and, and how the training's set up, um, how, how they're feeling from an emotional standpoint, uh, academic standpoint, especially, uh, at the end of the day, like, athletics are a small part of their life. And yes, I do want all these athletes to continue to use it as a, um, a vehicle to combat stress, meet friends, travel, yada, yada. There's, there's so many things that it, it benefits, but at the end of the day, it's like, um, 
I want it to be a positive experience. I want them to have fun. That's my first and foremost thing. So um, the trust is, I think there's a a circle of things you want to be um, that are very important. I think trust is definitely up there with with something that communication and trust are the the two biggest things I would say. Mm. I recently saw a post, actually, I think you just put it up yesterday or, or in the last couple of days about the journey and the journey being the destination, right? We hear it all the time, like it's about the journey. It's, and it is, it's about the journey. But we get really fixated on the result. We, get, we can get really fixated on the goal. Um, so explain that a little bit uh, as, I mean, I, I pulled away kind of my own interpretation of it, but I want to hear yours of, you know, what does it mean that the journey is the destination? Yeah, I mean, even something as simple like, so I, I've run a lot of 1500 races. They are three and a half minutes, right? So I say I fly to Ireland, which I've been to many times and love the country. Um, three and a half minutes is the race itself, but you're there for the experience. You're there to meet people. You're there to experience the culture. Like you have to take in all those things and you have to understand like eh, the, the, the training leading up to it too. You have to enjoy that aspect of it. Like it, it all leads to this pinnacle of a three and a half minute race, but there's so many parts to this journey going forward to this race that I think truly that's the destination, not, not the actual race. It's the experiences, the lessons, everything you learn throughout that process. And I think we can get so like, oh, I got to fly 17 hours for this three and a half minute race. And oh, it's going to be so long. And, and we get, we're living in the future. We're living mm-hmm. in the future. And, and when we're living in the future, are we really living at all? Because the only time any of us can live is, um, is right now. And it's totally okay that the dog is barking. What's the dog's name? Lila. Lila. She's just protecting her home. That car, there's a car alarm that went off. You were like, oh no, here it comes. Um, so it's, it's really presence, right? Presence is the antidote for, um, for being able to live the journey fully. Um, and I've heard you talk about that too. And I've heard, I've seen you write about that too, like in, in some Instagram posts and things like that. Is that something, is that, a skill or a, a theme that you grew up around, you grew up with, like when you were younger, how did you learn the, just this importance of presence? Um, <laughs> I think like just, yeah, just being in the moment. And, and I think my family probably uh, were the ones that helped me adapt that mindset because like we would have family dinners. We would like not, you're not forced to talk to each other, but yeah, you sit down, you have no devices. You have to talk to each other. Uh, you have to get to know how, each other's day went, um, what each other are feeling. Um, so I think in the world of technology, it's, it's definitely harder for a lot of people to be present, but I think reminding yourself, like, look at around, look around you, look how much stimuli there is. Like if you're looking at a device, it's not that helpful towards like feeling that present and being really grateful. So, uh, I think like family certainly helped that. Um, uh, like my, my parents would hate when I was tethered to a device. So, uh, Obviously, it's you can't avoid it nowadays. Like I work in tech, I, I'm on the laptop all the time. But um, and then always from a like young age, grade nine, that's my first international competition. And from then, it was just meet after meet after meet after meet, traveling all over. Um, and from a young age, when you're doing that, it's like you have to be grateful. Like I, I had never been on a plane until grade nine. Then all of a sudden, I'm on a plane like 
a couple times a year going to different meets. Like it's, I didn't come from the, the most, uh, I, I came from humble beginnings. Like my, my parents worked really hard. So I think just, uh, learning to be really grateful and love every moment is, is the biggest thing. All this traveling, um, for these, you know, short races, um, you know, what is it, what is a typical experience like on a plane? You know, we just talked about presence. Do you, do you go inward? Do you, um, put on headphones? Like what, what is it? Cause these flights I'm assuming would be pretty, pretty far, especially if you're talking about Ireland and you're doing international races. So what does that look like typically? <laughs> So, so growing up, like, uh, from grade nine, basically to midway through university, I was probably the most annoying person to the person next to me. Like I, I was just interested in like beating the person next to me, learning about them. Like, um, uh, nowadays it's not so much like that. I will, I will tell you a quick story. So I went to, uh, Columbia for a meet once and the lady next to me was a, a, a dentist in Columbia and we got talking throughout the, the plane ride and she was teaching me Spanish and uh, she like wrote it on napkin and she was just telling me about like her culture and, and where she's from. And then she ended up showing up to my race with her kids, her husband. She brought me a uh, Colombian chocolate candy. She brought me a Colombian flag that actually hangs in my room still. Um, so it was just, that was like such a cool experience just to meet someone organically on a plane. And then all of a sudden like, like meet them. At, she's at my race. Like, it's just super crazy. She just took time out of her day to do that. And then she like added me on social media. She said, if you ever need a place to stay in Columbia, like you let me know. So, um, experiences like that are super cool. And I met so many great people. Um, now I know people like don't always like that. And I was young, obviously. So I've just, I'm just, I'm going to talk to anyone and I do like talking to people, but, um, I'll sort of get a read. And if someone wants to chat, like, it usually comes up organically, but, uh, I like to listen to music. I like to re read books and, uh, occasionally I'll, I'll watch movies. I, I was on a flight to Taiwan once where it was just too much time to watch movies. I think the flight was like, yeah, 14 or 16 hours, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, I watched too many movies and still got a, a, a sleep in. <laughs> and I love that ahead. story. We were, um, we were just, BJ and I just came back from Costa Rica. We were down there for uh, about three weeks and um, we were talking, we met with our meditation teacher yesterday and he was talking about the importance of travel and, you know, going to visit our neighbors. That's mm -hmm. what he calls them. Like, and I think that, I don't know, we just got really separated with this, with borders and we got really serious about borders. And I love that story because it's, it's another reinforcement of what I was talking about right at the beginning of this show, which is like, we're more similar than we are different. And this, and this woman's, um, care and her, you know, the, how you guys connected and then she brought her family, like, and we're all just brothers. And I believe we're all just brothers and sisters and these are our neighbors. And, and it's so wonderful. Like you've, you've had, a big blessing in your ability to travel and see the world. I mean, Ireland, Colombia, Taiwan, like just these places that you've, you've dropped so far. And I know they've, there, there have been so many more. Um, yeah. What, what do you think about that? Like the, just the, the influence of travel on your life and who you are. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's like its own teacher. Uh, it's, it's not an institution or anything like that, but through travel, you can learn so much about like, obviously these places you're going, but 
I think ultimately you learn so much about yourself uh, and the people around you. So uh, travel has been a vehicle for that for me. Like I did a university degree, but I think I learned more through the, the like years of travel I've done than, than anything a, a, like a school or institution or anything could teach me. So I think there's so much value in that. And thankfully through athletics, like, I mean, I think travel regardless if you're spending your own money or not, um, it, it's great, but I just, I'm so thankful that like through athletics, it was obviously it's not like a major sporting league where you're getting paid millions, but, uh, the vehicle to travel and travel, like usually funded or free trips is, is certainly like a blessing. And, uh, I, I think like, I just, I, I, just, I value that so much. Um, you meet so many great people through travel and I don't know. I'm sure you guys have some great experiences from that as well. Oh yeah. And something that we experience is like the ability to connect with someone regardless of the language barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a valuable thing. Like, so in, in university, I just worked part-time at the running store and that wasn't fully representative of like, I think how much I knew or like how much I thought I knew, I guess. Um, but yeah, the ability to connect with people, connect with the the place you're in, uh, the ability to want to see and feel and taste and, uh, experience like these other cultures. It's, yeah, there's nothing like it. I don't think. Yeah. Can you recall one, one thing, cause you mentioned travel, uh, really allowed you to learn a lot about yourself. One thing early on in your, in your life, maybe you realized about yourself maybe it was adventure maybe it was that maybe you were shy and you love to talk to people can you pull pull on one thing that that you learned uh, i'm sure there's many but like uh the ability to go with the flow like travel is not always glamorous i'm not gonna lie like people post beautiful pictures of this place or this place but there's no backstory on how you got there or uh the lead up to it so i've been to belgium on my own and like taking trains two hours the wrong way and had to ask people on the on the train that are finishing their day uh, of work, like, Hey, can you help me like figure out where to go? Uh, so there's, yeah, there, there's, there's value in going with the flow and learning not to stress about the little things control. You can control at the end of the day. And uh, I think you'll have a great time if you do that. Can you, can you pull that into a, a, a three and a half minute race? Is there, are there moments you have to be go with the flow? Like, maybe you wanted to make a move and you couldn't make the move and you just have to go with it for a little bit longer and trust that it will eventually open. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, uh, it's such a short race that like tactically you do have to be on your toes, but also you have to know, like if you come in the last lap and you're there, um, it doesn't really matter what happened at the very start of the race off the, off the start line. So there's always time to move, even though it is such a short race and the ability to, have a race plan, but also deviate from the race plan a little bit if you have to is, is super valuable. Just like travel, you're gonna have a, a set plan, a set itinerary. If you have to deviate from that, that's okay. You don't have to be so tight about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it says I'm boarding at nine fifteen. Like I'm boarding. Yeah. It says it right here. <laughs> yeah. So like, miss flights, miss train rides, wrong direction plane rides or train. Sorry, um, it's all part of it. Like you have to you have to do it to experience that. Yeah. This is also a key skill for marriage, by the way, being able to go with the flow, not taking things so seriously, you know, not like sometimes you just don't need to drive that point home. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit because you've, you have been known to hang out with some triathletes and do some triathlon training, which 
I'm thinking you can probably hang pretty good with your cross training history. Uh, but what do you what do you think about that life of endurance sports? Is that something that ten- tempts you? Uh, it certainly tempts me. Uh, it has tempted me many times. Any anytime I get a lot around Lionel, I always call it. I get the triathlon bug. Uh, I just want to be all in on that. And uh, he has a great setup. He's worked very hard to get where, to where he is, and he has a, a very loyal following. So I think that's the community and the brand he's built is is it's very interesting. Like I when I was staying with him for six months there, I was just coming back from injury. I was doing a lot of cross training and. Uh, I had a race in California, so I drove from Arizona to California. I think it was like six to eight hours drive. Um, and then I was running after I got there. The next morning, I'm running on this trail. And this guy's like, "Like you're from Lionel's videos, right? And I was like, I was like, oh, I've been in a few of them, yeah. And uh, I just found that like so interesting. It's just a random trail in this forested uh, part of, of California. And yeah, this random guy just, just introduces to me. So I think like, it's just... The world's small, like the, the endurance community is small. Like it's it's very cool to connect and introduce yourself and not be scared or shy to uh, to say hi sometimes. Yeah, the the reach is big. Re, re, reach is big, and, and and the world keeps getting smaller and smaller because of you know technology. It's it's such a it can be it, it can be a good thing. You know, in this respect, we we know we you know we were able to know a bit more about you and 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 your history and and where what you've been up to. Um. But how did, how did you, I posted a video just shortly, uh, a little screenshot of a video where you and Ben True and Lionel are running in Kona uh, mm-hmm. in the energy lab. How did you get to that point? How did you get on the island? Yeah. Um, so that, that story is crazy. I'll, I'll tell you about that story. Um, so Lionel and I like have known each other. He's from Windsor. I'm from Windsor. Well, he's outside of Windsor in Harrow. Uh, that's where he grew up. And I remember seeing his name on like there was a grade school meet, this all city meet that like I would see Lionel Sanders, 800 meter record. So it was my goal, grade, grade eight to, to beat that record. And I think I just beat it. Um, but I'd only not known the name Lionel Sanders. And then slowly over the years, uh, got to know him in university, raced against him a few times. He was going to McMaster. So just three hours away from here to a triathlon stuff more or less. And then um, I think he messaged, he went to a wedding and he messaged me and said, I just talked to so-and-so. I heard you were a swimmer in high school. Let's get you like into triathlons. And I was like so engaged in running that I was like, ah, it sounds cool, but like not now. Um, and over the years then, he was in Windsor. Um, they had the condo in Arizona. And he was like, hey, Corey, like, can I do a couple run workouts with you? So I was like, okay, sure. So we crushed a couple run workouts and we had a really good one the one day. I think we were doing like three kilometer repeats and he's like, that was a great workout. I'm leaving the Kona in like a week. You want to come and train with me there? Like before world championships. And I was like, I was like, Aaron, like, is this guy joking? And Aaron's like, no, he's dead serious. So he's like, I'll fly you. You can come with me. You can stay with us. We'll we'll figure it out. And I was just like, all right, let's, let's do it. So, uh, I think like he honestly like really started pushing me to like, live on the seat of my pants sometimes or live on the edge of my, how's that go? <laughs> live on the edge of my seat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and like, yeah, just be spontaneous. Just if, if certain opportunities arise, like take them, like go for it, enjoy it, see what happens from it. Um, and that's what I did. I, I went there for two weeks 
would have stayed there longer, but then had to come back for a friend's wedding and, and went straight to Colorado. So I looked like a complete idiot going to Colorado for a wedding in October and only having shorts and like maybe a long sleeve in my, in my luggage. Yeah. That's, um, you gotta, t- I bet you have no regrets. No regrets. Not at all. Um, and it's, it's, it's changed me too. Like I had such a great experience from that, that like if something else comes up nowadays, like I'm probably going to take it again. Like I'll, I'll probably take the opportunity that that gives me something like that. It, Kona was an amazing time. I can't imagine not having that, um, training camp as part of like my life and like a focal point of like getting to know Lionel, getting to know the family, getting introduced to the sport, uh, and the people of Hawaii are just, it was incredible. Yeah, that's, um, so that, that planted, you know, that's the, the seed that's planted of curiosity and, and possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all like routine in some respect and we all like to, to get into our groove and our training and, and really get fun, um, you know, secure there and our foundation is set. But when these moments are, you know, Lionel is that person who's going to push the button. Uh, he pushes a lot of people's buttons actually, but <laughs> he opened up a window for you, like cracked the window open for, you know, maybe an experience that you would have maybe in the past been like, ah, you know, not right now. Timing isn't good. Um, but jumping at that is going back to what you mentioned is, is experience, right? There's no, there's nothing in school that says, Hey, Corey, next time a professional athlete, like asks you to go train with them, you really got to consider it. Like you got to weigh out the pros and cons. There's nothing that really does that. You got to have, you, you must have experience and be open to that. Have you, have you implemented that? Has anybody else tried to, have you been able to offer that to somebody else basically? Um, yeah, I mean, like, like my fiance, um, I've certainly like implemented that. Like, I think it was literally a month into a relationship. I was like, I was going to New York for an event. Um, so I was, I was sponsored by athletic brewing for a bit and they were having an event in, uh, just outside of New York. So in Connecticut and they were going to fly me out. And I pushed my contract to also have her, uh, within the realm of, uh, being flown out as well. So they, uh, they said, yeah, like that's, that's completely fine. And I was like, how would you want to go to like New York, make a trip of it? And this is like a month in, um, and there was a few occurrences after that, but I, I certainly like, if you want something figured out, so, um, like with work and stuff, we figured it out. We made sure it was, it was all going to work there. And then, uh, yeah, you have the greatest experiences cause it's like, there's no itinerary. There's nothing telling you like, do this, do that. It's like, you get to choose what you want to do. You get to um, like feel the city or the new place, how you want to feel it out. And uh, I, I think there's value also in not doing the touristy stuff. So talk to the locals. They'll, they'll tell you what the great places are to go, the great food spots are to go, um, and just get an organic feel of, of whatever culture you're within. There's always a thousand reasons to say no. You know, I got to stay, can't ask for the time off from work. Like we're both working there, can't do it. And there's, there's always so many reasons to say no, but I believe that there's currency in, in everything, right? The other thing would be like, it's going to cost money. Like, you know, even though they're flying us, like, you know, how are we going to, you know, go out to dinner in New York city? It's so expensive or Hawaii Kona is so expensive. 
But I think there's current, I've learned that there's currency in everything. Like there's, there's currency in, um, the experience, you know, like you said, it's so valuable. And when we can expand our perspective to see that everything is currency, this conversation is currency. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people pay for a service, they receive the service. That's all currency. It's give and take. It's, it's keeping things in circulation. And I think jumping at opportunities in life is, is a big part of, of, keeping that alive, like keeping that flow that you talked about alive in life, because it's really easy to stay in the routine and in routine is great, but to stay there and to kind of stay in this false sense of like, oh, well, this is safe because I'm not taking time off from work. I'm, you know, they, they're not going to promote somebody because that other person's been there at work and I haven't been there at work. It's just, it's really tying it into this presence of like living now, living now and not living for the future. Because if we're always waiting for the trip or to, um, you know, jump somewhere great in life, if that's always in the future, it's always going to be in the future. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think there's so much value in that. And like just having some, something to look forward to something different that might come about. I think even that, like it, it breaks you out of your routine and shows you a different life. Like it, it shows you a different experience. Like you, I know I keep saying it, but there's so much value in that. Like, I just don't think, uh, if people haven't experienced that, it's like do something that's absolutely crazy that you've always wanted to do and then come back and tell me how you feel. And I, I guarantee you're going to implement some sort of something you learn within doing that thing in your everyday life. It could be, it could be small. It could be big, but, um, yeah, I think, I think, taking that leap of faith just to do something that you've always wanted to do or that intrigues you or interests you. Huge. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a, uh, so we've been talking all about you being a mover and a shaker. You're always moving, you're traveling, <laughs> you're running, you're swimming, you're biking. You probably hard to sit down. What does rest and recovery look like? And also looping in uh, recovery tools like Healy tape. What does it look like for, for a professional athlete such as yourself? Uh, yeah, so uh, certainly a lot on the go. Um, so it is especially hard nowadays to uh, to rest a lot. But um, resting and recovering to me looks like like taking the dog for a walk and enjoying like the scenery or um, the waterfront here in Windsor. We have a beautiful waterfront of, of Detroit. Um, enjoying a nice sunset. Like there, there's there's so much beauty and simplicity and like especially being out in nature and just like sitting and observing. Um, I, I like being outside a lot. So even being on the balcony, like going out to the country and just like enjoying the weather, the wind, all that stuff. Um, but certainly like when I'm home sitting there enjoying it, um, my fiance, she likes to, uh, to watch some like Netflix and stuff like that. So I've adopted a little bit of that and, uh, Healy, I'll, I'll throw on some Healy tape for recovery as well. I know a lot of people think it like you just have to use it when you're you're racing or running or training, but um, I use it quite often as just like recovery. So if I'm having sore hamstrings, I'll throw it on. Um, and then like I like to hang with the dog too. So big animal guy. Um, always grew up with dogs and um, super happy to have have her own rescue. And she's she's been a huge light in our life. It's nice to work from home and have like a little support dog around, uh, all the time. And, uh, yeah, it, you do, you, you, I know 
parent being a parent is a different thing, but even having a dog, you realize how much you do for the dog, uh, how much you change your schedule for that animal you love. So I think eventually when uh, Britt and I start our own family, it's going to be hopefully like an easier transition into that life. Those things that you described, like being out in nature, watching the sunset, walking Lila, these things are very soothing for your nervous system. They like, they'll put you, Mm -hmm. they'll bring that parasympathetic nervous system into, into dominance. And, and isn't that healing? That's our healing nervous system. It's, you know, there's like, we can hypervolt. And I'm not saying those things are great too. Like we have a um, eight inch orbital buffer that we got at Home Depot that we use. It was like $20. It's awesome because it's like vibrating and it gives you heat and everything. And those tools are great. And we have um, trigger point rollers and all of that. But I don't think we can underestimate the power of being still and having just a pure experience that allows us, that allows that contentment and peace that I believe is within each one of us to come out. Mm-hmm. And that's very soothing for our nervous system, which is going to enhance recovery and digestion, our ability to metabolize, um, you know, the training and for the body to, to heal. It's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I love that. I love that that's uh, that you consider all of that recovery because it most certainly is. Yeah, th- I think recovery, like, and I know, like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can relate. It's just, it's it's de-stressing. It's it's re- relaxation to the fullest. Like, what relaxes you? What puts you at ease? Um, so for me, recovery, obviously, like sitting on a phone wall, a lot of stuff. It's great. It's awesome. But if I had a long day, um, and and even like I like going for an easy, easy run with like Brittany just to talk about like our day. And, and I, I find that there's relaxation in that just catching up through it run and enjoying the people around, enjoying other active beings outside. And, um, I think ultimately that form of recovery, the, the, the part that de-stresses you is, is the most valuable. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what else do we want to talk about nutrition? You know, what's, What's recovery nutrition look like? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, as a professional, people love to hear yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to fuel. Like, pick, pick, pick good foods, but um, food is fuel. Food is your friend. Um, like, have a balance. It's, it's, you don't want to be too strict one way uh, and you don't want to under eat the other way. So, uh, like, obviously, there's a, your body's pretty smart when it comes to certain things. Like if you're craving sodium, there might be a reason, reason you're craving sodium or salty food. Sorry. Um, so just, I think it's, it's good to be mindful and, and take a look at like what your body's feeling, um, uh, be in tune with what you're eating. And, uh, if you really want to like dive into that, I think reaching out to like registered dietitian is the way to go. Don't read all this stuff online that people are telling you one thing or the other thing. Like go to a, a professional source and, uh, and, and do it that way. Like don't, don't try and, I don't know everything. Like we don't know everything. I'm sure like there's, there's so many different diets that, that could work for you. So just, uh, yeah, if a food feels good to you and, and like apple makes you energetic, then keep eating apples. Like it's a good food. It's, it's yeah. Keep that in your diet. But, uh, I don't think it has to be as complex as, as sometimes people make it. No, absolutely not. You know, and, and food is fuel. And I'm so glad you said that. Like it's fuel and the body is so brilliant. You know, it will, 
it will work for you. Um, but if you're not feeling it, it can only work for you for so long and then it will break down and, uh, and then that's no good. And then eventually, hopefully you'll hit your sucks enough moment (laughs) and then you'll begin to, to shift it's shift the relationship because it really is, it's that relationship with, with food. It's your friend, it's fuel for this thing that allows you to do what you love and be with the people that you love and travel and, and live, you know, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I've had, I've gone down a road with it myself. And so, you know, I'm way on the other side of that now, but I can, I have compassion for the struggle for sure. But when we look at food as fuel and not our friend or our enemy, um, I think we neutralize that and we can really use it to our advantage and be grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, don't be afraid to, to try new foods either. Um, mm. <laughs> I know with, uh, with, with my fiance, she, uh, before we started talking, she was very hesitant to try like fish and, uh, like she wasn't a big veggie person, but, uh, now she loves that stuff. So, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to, to try new things and be open to certain foods that could be good for you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you can open up to, you can open up in one realm of your life, you can, you can open up everywhere. Like we don't selectively learn. We, we learn one thing, we can learn it everywhere. It's just being aware of where we're, where we're applying it or not applying it, you know, and, and having that presence to recognize what's working for us and what we're doing that's not working for us. And then having the courage to, to shift those things that aren't serving us any longer to let go, to be in that flow of life. Like you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I think even, uh, the older I get, like in university at the end of the season, sometimes we'd say we go out and party at the end of the season. And it's like, you're not really thinking about how much that's affecting the next day, but even something as simple, like I, I do wear a whoop and, um, for wearing it the last couple of years, like you learn even, Sometimes having like a beer before bed, it truly does affect your sleep. Your resting heart rate's a lot higher, not recovering as much. So um, I think, yeah, again, balance is a good thing, but just being mindful of like certain things are going to affect your recovery. Certain things are going to affect your mood. So uh, yeah, those are important things to note. So wrapping this up, are you, are you going to be, are you focusing on Olympics? Are you focusing on, like, where's, where are we going to see you? What's the goal here? Um, <laughs> that is a good question, even for myself. Um, going into this year, like I, I sort of had the mentality like I was going to train for three disciplines. Like th- it's a busy schedule, but I was going to train for running, for swimming, biking, and sort of introduce myself to the triathlon lifestyle with a full time job and a part time job, which is a lot. Um, and I've still been doing that, but I think running has been the biggest priority i'd say i still have some track races that um i've been going to been invited to and then uh just keeping that option available so i think later in the summer uh i would like to do a triathlon i i am going to do a triathlon later this summer and uh leaving that option open but just also seeing like this is the first time i've done the three disciplines in training the way i want to do them and the way that feels best for my body um Cause other times I've done like say five swims a week, but they're all hard. Like now if I need an easy swim, I'm swimming easy. I'm still going to get in the water, but like I'm listening to my body. So, uh, hopefully the recovery aspect is better from there. And 
hopefully it only fuels my running and makes it better, but uh, only time will tell. So uh, the first test is this weekend, the 1500, and uh, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted whether it goes good or bad or something in between. Yeah, please do. And we'll, uh, yeah, we're intrigued about the future. So we'll, we'll keep following and I know, uh, our listeners will follow as well. And thank you so much. This has been a really lovely conversation. Um, the world is super obsessed with your beer mile world record. And I know we didn't touch upon it because there's 90,000 podcasts and articles about your beer mile world record. So, um, accolades to you for that. That's pretty insane to run a mile and chug four beers. Um, but there's a lot of stuff out there about that. And I really wanted to, um, you know, just see where this conversation went and thank you for letting it go where it did. Um, you offered, you offer great value to the world and a lot of wisdom that you dropped in this podcast just by being you. And we really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad to know you. Thank you. Yeah. It was really great getting to know you. And it was just a, a much different podcast. Yeah. I like the, the organic aspect of just like seeing where the conversation goes and, and just taking little bits and pieces from that to answer or ask questions. So, um, yeah, it's the beer mod certainly takes the, the forefront of a lot of podcasts. So it was, I, I really respect the way you guys approached it. And uh, yeah, if anyone ever wants to learn about it, they can certainly find some articles or podcasts or whatever else on Google. <laughs> they can, they absolutely <laughs> they can. can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Corey. And uh, yeah, we'll stay connected. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. See you guys later. 